This episode of the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show is brought to you by Fashion on the Rock's Cruel Winter, taking place November 12th at the historic Boutwell Auditorium in downtown Birmingham. What it is, what it do, this is your boy Lawrence G. Yeah, what's up? This is your boy Joey Burnham. And this is Jonathan Crane. And this is the the Grown Ass Man Man Hip Hop Show, where we talk about love, life, hip hop, and grown man shit. And everything in between. My Nika. What's up? What's What's going on, man? Shit, just chilling, man. How was your week, my brother? I had a decent week. I've been chilling, relaxing so far. Uh, Enjoying my off day. You don't really do shit. You don't really. No, man. I um, I'm tired of people. I don't uh, I don't know. I just don't like being. I've I've gotten to the point. I don't really like being around people. Now, you it's know, great. I'll fuck with my close friends. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, my brother, Jonathan Crane. I fuck with him. The other friend that we have named Jonathan. Fuck with him as well. I, I fuck with my inner circle, but I don't know. I just really I don't know how to. Explain. Not a not a hermit, but they. Was, you're a hermit. You're you're a recluse. But then again, I'm a recluse. Sort of too. Um, I kind of force myself to get out. I'm very. I'm an introvert. I've. I th- I'm an. Ex- how do you say it? I'm an introverted extrovert. I'm a. I, I would say I'm an introvert. What are you, uh, Jonathan Crane? You're an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, I started. I started that entire thing. I've. I've kind of come out a little bit in terms of uh, just trying to introduce myself to humanity. But um, I didn't like going to the movies because I wanted everyone to die. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I've heard this conversation. Why did you want everybody to die? I mean, because it was all their fault. Everything was their fault, and I wanted them all to perish for their sins against mm-hmm. me. <laughs> and so, yes. So I've kind of gone from that to like being able to shake people's hand and talk to people and do things like that. It seems like Joe is kind of going in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah, because Joe used to be like the guy. Like he didn't mind like putting on a damn show and making a whole class he's beatbox. A showman. And he's, he's a showman. He's very much a showman. But he still is that showman when it's like, time to perform. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's easy to be a clown. I was a clown. I was a clown. Being a clown is, is like, it's entertaining. It, it You don't mind it. But then, you're remember, you're the clown. You know, once you just sit down at the lunch table, everybody just looks at you like, you gonna make another joke? I'm like, no, man, I'm just sitting here now. Yeah, I went through it's that like, shit, too. It's like when you're being an entertainer, a clown, it's kind of a intimacy that doesn't exist there. And it's like people see you, but they don't but see But they you. don't see you. Yeah, I, I can relate. I can relate. Like if you're on stage in front of a million people, people kind of aren't looking at you in a way. Right, right, right. But if you're talking to one person... Who's paying attention to everything you that say? That is every awkward. Move, that is you fucking awkward. One on one seems way more personal and intimate than the huge crowd. So. Let me ask you a question. You've performed. I've performed. When I perform, I get on stage. I don't see anything or anybody. The world goes black. There might be a face I remember. There might be something in the back of the room I remember. There might be a moment that pops up. But for the most part, once I get on stage. The whole room turns black. Mm-hmm. I really don't even think that I hear. 
I just go into this mode. When you get on stage, the few times you've been on stage, what was your experience? I was drunk. Talk into the microphone, please. I was I was drunk most times I was on stage. <laughs> so, so so is that a uh is that a, a habit or do you is that like part of your process? The so what me being on stage while I was sober, like I said, I I, I could kind of tell that I they didn't see me as a person and that was a good thing they didn't see me like i just said like i alluded to a couple minutes ago or seconds ago i should say they didn't see me so i was okay with that i was comfortable i wasn't nervous and i didn't really see them you know it was kind of like this tunnel vision of i don't know it's a certain entertainer's tunnel vision it kind of keeps you from getting nervous on stage but you know the more personal it gets then that's when you start to get nervous so back to the process is that a part of your process to get drunk um my last show i did yeah or was it no that was i just was drinking and then they called our name me and chinchilla to perform and uh what's that the last performance i did like I did something after. Anyway, yeah, I got drunk and said my last performance, and I wasn't trying to. I just was chilling. I've never been inebriated on stage. I've never been. I have been. Sh- you know, my process is I You've want to never be been inebriated. Inebriated. I, I want to be this left the made up a fuck word. alone. Like before I go on stage, I want to be left the fuck alone. I want to put in my headphones. I want to listen to music because I'm nervous as fuck. I got butterflies in my stomach. I'm thinking about all the shit that's going to go wrong that never goes wrong. And and being in, in, in any altered mind state would just make that worse for me. So I want to be left the fuck. Don't talk to me. Don't try to hype me up. Don't ask me no damn questions. I got my music on. I'm trying to get in the zone. Don't fucking bother me because I'm scared shitless. Mm-hmm. And then once I get on stage, all that shit goes away and it's a fucking party. But, other than, but you know, other than that, I mean, I don't really, I don't really... That's the only preparation I have. But anywho, um, once again, man, we've had a, a very interesting week in the world in hip hop. Uh, we've had The Game and Meek Mill and Beanie Siegel in this hip hop battle royale. In a three-way love affair. <laughs> if that's what you want to call it, a three-way fuck fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, Donald Meek Trump. Mill's the one getting fucked. Yeah, he would be the he would be the, the the one getting dominated in that scene. He's the bottom. Yeah, um, we had uh, the presidential election with Hillary Clinton and uh, Donald Trump. We got we're gonna have Freddie Freeze on the line uh, talking with us about that. Ti's uh, us or else came out. Yep, 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 yep. There have been a couple of shootings by the popo, a couple of them. So where you guys want to start? Let's talk about Ti. All right, let's talk about us. It's not us, us or else. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Us or else. Let's talk about us. That's a good title. Us or them. Or else. That's just in my brain. I would have thought that's what it would have yeah, been. Yeah, but yeah. But what did you guys think about that project? I enjoyed it, man. I thought that it was a, a solid TI project. It's pretty much really what he's known for. Like I've always known him as like a Southern lyricist. And he just kind of uh, stayed on track with that. Right. He has the whole social commentary thing going on with uh, the police officers and many things that have happened in the community. And, um, yeah, man, I wish more rappers were like him. I wish I wish more rappers would age as gracefully as he has musically. What I like about the album is um, just a little background information. Us or Else is a six-track EP. Yeah, EP. T.I.'s EP. Uh, do you know anybody know when it came out? Uh, it came out last Friday. Okay. 
Six songs. Killer Mike is on it. Big Crit is on it. It's got Killer Mike, Big Crit, Quavo, Ra Ra, and uh, a dude named uh, it's either B Bossy or R Bossy or R Rossy or something like that. Yeah, um, B so, Rossies or something like that. So, Never yeah. heard of him, but he did his damn but thing. Everybody snapped. What I what I like about the album is two two things that I like about the album. Ra Ra, Black Man with Ra Ra, Trev Cases on Switching Lanes. But anyway, what I like about the six song EP is it sounds like T.I. material. He didn't stray too far away from what he normally does. It sounds like anything he's ever made. Yeah, he stayed. He definitely stayed in his trap lane. He stayed in his lane sonically mm-hmm. but he's very political and he's very con- he's very conscious ti is a real nigga he stands for something and i think he'll die for his beliefs so he's the type of guy i know he felt like he had to make this album because he's tired of the bullshit and he's tired of black people being punked out and right i right. could just and i just don't see ti as no pushover so because of that you get that trap sound with the conscious mind state and the fact that he made a conscious album or ep and it didn't sound like boom bap right right the fact it didn't sound like twilib quali the fact it wasn't overwashed with a whole lot of five six syllable words is very impressive right he right. made conscious rap his own because a lot of times when people go conscious they sound like they fucking prisoners you know how prisoners sound. They kind of, <laughs> they kind of force, they kind of force it. They but force it. Like the dude from Oliver it sounds like some like the dude from Oliver Kelly. See, when I proliferated the ejaculation yeah. that was a part of my, my part now, of my allow vaginal me to proliferate my gonads. What I'm trying to say <laughs> was, let me let me deliberate my gonads and pull the perm out of my anal flactitude <laughs> and anal, proceed uh, with the snotification that is. I remember when Damon Ways did that for the first time, man, and it, the the shot pulled back and he was in prison. Like we. <laughs> We died laughing at Dude, that. That was, was so dead, disturbing. Man, I was dead. <laughs> well, that's what niggas. That, that was great, by the way. Living color, classic, goddamn sketch comedy. But uh, but the thing about it is, Ti talks like that on a regular basis. <laughs> now nah, he does talk. Like that. <laughs> he do talk like they, he's uh, straight he, out of print, he, like he read a dictionary. He digitally it digitally imposed In, my head on uh, the Ethiopian's on an body. Ethiopian's body. On the Ethiopian's body. <laughs> Pimp. No, but yeah, it's a good album, man. I, I like that he took a conscious route and made it his own right right and i would say out of the i like every single song on now my shit i think my shit is black man and 40 acres and a mula yep number five shit number four and five i think that's number four and five i think what black man is like number three ain't it two or three uh black man okay well i'm fucking it up then i like switch lanes number four and i like 40 acres featuring killer mike which is number five. Yeah, so that, I, I like Switch Lanes and Forty Acres. I like every song. Yeah. Um, I like the War Zone video. Yeah, the War Zone. What y'all think about that War Zone video, man? Yeah, the the message is pretty clear. At least to me, it is. Um, you know, just trying to get people to to see things from a different point of view. And you know what? <laughs> what if what if you were in that situation? What if what if it was your child in a park and he was given two seconds? You know, instead of just even if someone does say that they think that a child is playing in the park with a gun, with a toy gun. This is a child's life. So I'm willing as a human to put my life on the line for a child. If a child shoots me dead, you know, I was trying to save a child. But to me, it takes a real monster to um, 
to just say fuck that you know and, and just nobody wants no right, one right. wants to lose their lives i'm not telling police officers that they should want to lose their lives but for a child i'm i'm willing to risk that right right give right. him an opportunity to to let him know like this is an actual gun put up your hands you know, I think that's all it would have taken because he had a gun. He had, a, you know, he had a toy gun. So I mean, and let's just be realistic about this situation. Um, we're talking about a child in a park playing with a gun. Doesn't a that toy. require? Doesn't that re- even if it looks like a real gun? Doesn't that require some investigation? Doesn't that require some? Let me get out of the car because this is a child. Don't you think that's what that requires? Doesn't that require a little bit of uh, humanity? Humanity. I don't know in detail what it requires. And, you know, putting myself in the shoes of the police officer, I don't know what I would do in that situation. But the police officer is clearly in control of that. It's a little kid. I mean, you can scare the shit out of that little kid without even taking out a gun. I mean, I'm yeah, you can definitely scare the shit out of a kid without taking out a gun. Tase um, his little ass. But is that wrong? Is that wrong? It would have saved his life. If we tase him. There is a human element that trade a lawsuit for was murder uh, case? I don't know. Neglected. There was a, a real big human element that was neglected, obviously. And he didn't know if the gun was real or not, not justifying what he did, because he's a monster. Those police officers are monsters, and, you know, I pray for the family of that child. I don't know, man. It seems as if they could have at least gotten behind cover and issued some kind of verbal warning. And how many cop cars were there? It wasn't a lot of cars, was it? Thank you. I saw one car. I, right? I, yeah, I saw one car. That's what I wanted. How about you bring five or six cars like you do in every other situation? I've seen a hostage situation where a man is walking down the street with a loaded weapon, with a loaded gun, and he's not shot instantly. Of course, as a police officer, you have to make your own judgment call. You have to you have to react. So it's easy to stand back and say, well, I would have done it this way. But like the child has a toy. And once you show him that this is real, I'm, I'm really here. I'm a police officer. I'm coming over a loud horn. There's no way. Yeah, any, just no one, enough no one can, convince, kid, can convince me that that child wouldn't run or cry or something. So maybe they figured, oh, shit, he might shoot. So and then you realize it's water and you yeah, just murdered a child. But in the T.I. video, um, all of these different cases uh, involving police brutality and and um, I guess the like kind of like a Rosa Parks situation towards the end. White people were put in the the place of of African Americans. There was a a young white child who was in the park playing with a gun. He wasn't that young. He didn't look that young. Maybe like a he looked more like a teenager. There was a guy like a kind of on the um he was on a he was being harassed by police officers. I guess it, you know just to show you what it would look like by black police officers. All the police officers were black. Right, and, right. A clear message was being made. Yeah, it was a role reversal, and uh, mm-hmm. that reversal was, what if black people were the ones harassing white people? You guys would feel it and understand our pain and our plight if the roles were reversed. And the first situation with the little boy, what was that little boy's name? Help I think Tamir Rice. Oh, yeah, Tamir okay, Rice. So Tamir Rice was the uh, first reference that T.I. made. And then Freddie Gray was the second Freddie one. Freddie Gray, I Can't Breathe. That was the second visual reference. And then the third one was... The uh, Sterling, right? Uh, uh, Not Alton Sterling. It was Castile. Uh, yeah, Orlando Castile. It was Castile in the car, and his girlfriend was Snapchatting, and the baby was in the back. So he referenced these real-life situations, made a role reversal situation, and then the bus 
uh, uh, Rosa Parks visuals were in there as well. I think it's uh, talk a about that. Great we, we, video. Uh, you don't have to go like great in the detail, but talk about what you what you noticed out of that video. The eye test. Yeah, it's something. Uh, I saw a BBC, I guess, documentary. Um, a woman. She was an educator. I can't remember her name. Uh, we would have to maybe go deeper into detail about this, but she she created some sort of uh, she created some sort of study to show to show racism in, in people and to show people who weren't familiar with certain types of discrimination, um, how, how to put themselves, she put these people in a situation where they were, they would experience it for the first time where, so she would take a room of, um, of children and she would expose them to this just, just as her test, she would, she first tried it on her class. And so she told, she told all of the children with brown hair or, uh, that they were inferior or superior, and she watched these children tear each other apart based on this. Wow. So she then moved on to adults. So she would tell adults with brown eyes, most people have brown eyes. They are more brown-eyed people than any other group of people in terms of, like, eye color. And she would um, she would tell them that they're superior. And so instead of being logical and saying, Okay, my eyes are brown, but that doesn't make me better than anyone else. Most of them, or at least a lot of them, would respond like, "Yeah, I am." You know, I've I've always felt like I was more intelligent than people with blue eyes. And the people with colored eyes would feel inferior. They would feel they would begin to react. Um, most of these people, people with blue eyes, many people with blue eyes are are Caucasian. So these people would then react like they they couldn't handle it they couldn't deal with it for 20 minutes for 30 minutes they couldn't deal with this and at the end of this test she would say you've just dealt with the racism that this person over here deals with his entire life and for you could handle minutes, it for 20 minutes for 20 minutes you're breaking down for 20 minutes so imagine if you had to deal with this your entire life so it, it was a pretty interesting uh pretty interesting study I man let me let me talk to y'all about something um Last week on Facebook, during this whole police shooting situation, um, I think I saw a video where it was like three different police shootings. And I just got pissed off and I got fed up. And what pissed me off was I'm going through my social media, I'm on Facebook, and I see a video of a man with a hatchet um, who is attempting to attack the police. White guy. Um, Two police officers. This motherfucker got a hatchet, right? Police officers have tased this man. He won't go down. As a matter of fact, he's he owns something because he's taking a tase and he's flexing and he's pulling a uh, incredible hawk type situation on these dudes. Yeah. And just seeing that pissed me the fuck off. So I go on my social media um, and I and I type. Um, see if I can get it to pull up right quick. I'm gonna tell you what I typed. Uh, I typed above this above this um, video that I show both of you. Um, don't tell me shit about Colin Kaepernick being unpatriotic. Don't give me the if you comply conversation. Don't give me that bullshit statement. White people get killed by police, too. Y'all just don't hear about it. Um, wake the hell up. There is a clear difference between the way black people are treated by the police and the way white people are treated by the police. If you don't see that, you are willfully being blind. Fuck your comfort. We need to have a serious dialogue about the way America treats minorities. Blue lives don't matter. Why? Dot, dot, dot. Because blue is not a fucking race. The end. I got 
several responses to that. But here's the one that pissed me off. And I, 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 I didn't really know how to respond to it. Normally, I'm quick on the trigger with these responses. But this is a person that my wife and I go to church with. We've been in their home, Bible studies and all that kind of stuff. And she's very close to the wife. And his response his response. His response. It's a white guy. I won't give too much details about him on air, but this, this is this is a white guy. I mean, yeah. I'm assuming he's a pretty good guy. You probably like him to a degree. Yeah, I like him to a degree. A, a, a large degree. And he, here's his response to what I said. You know, when I was younger, I wore my hair long and dressed how I felt. I was pulled over and had guns pulled on me. When I decided to change my life, look my best, and be my best, life changed instantly. My business grew overnight, so everyone judges. Now, as for cops, they only have seconds to judge the situation, and on top of that, they don't get paid enough to protect us. So, if everyone wants to complain, then go and apply to be a cop and change the world. That was his first response. Okay, I understand that. Second response. Everyone always complains and uh, and voices their opinions. Cops and teachers are the most unpaid people uh, uh, that we all need. Yep. But but we can all overlook all they do and watch any kind of sports and pay them millions. And are they teaching your kids or protecting your loved ones? No. When he typed this in the moment, realize I'm talking to a white guy. Just the fact that he brought up in the first statement that he cut his hair and changed his appearance and he stopped getting pulled over and he stopped uh his business grew and all that kind of stuff yeah that 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 little statement in his mind that that's him saying that um well they're being treated like this because they look a certain way you're fucking right they they're decide like if if you decide to to make us feel more comfortable then this wouldn't happen that that's kind of what it sounds like to me, and that's what it felt like to me. Like, and did you respond back to that? I, I, I did not respond back for the reasons I told you before. Because in the moment, I was gonna cuss his ass out. At first, this is the first time I've not responded to a person on Facebook. Now, like I said, for a lot of reasons, because you because you know him, and not 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 necessarily even because I know him. Because I responded to a lot of motherfuckers I know on Facebook. I don't give two fucks about that. One of my reasons was. No matter what I say, he ain't going to get it because of the first statement. This motherfucker hit me with, I cut my hair. I changed the way I look. So you mean to tell me that if Trayvon Martin hadn't wore a hoodie that day, he would be alive today? You mean to tell me that if Philando Castile didn't have on a white tee that day, he wouldn't have been shot? You mean to tell me if uh, Freddie Gray didn't happen to have Lucy's on him, he wouldn't have been choked out? You know what I'm saying? It's like, dude, it's like I can change my... I can have a a, a three-piece suit on with a briefcase in my hand walking down Wall Street. That shit don't change the fact that if a cop want to shoot my black ass, he will. That's that 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 statement right there was the definition of white privilege to me because you have the right to change your hair. You had long hair, you cut it. Good. Now you don't look like a fucking hooligan and the police don't pull you over anymore. You change the way you dress. Good. I don't have that benefit. I can't change my skin. I can't change my skin. I don't want to change my skin. Uh, even if I could. Even if I could, I wouldn't want to. With that being Unless said, my name is um, Vibes Cartel. With that being said, it's not just people with dreads and baggy jeans and hoodies that are being killed. It's not just people who look and portray a certain thing. And, in my opinion, it's not just those people. 
But let's say it is people with dreads and baggy jeans and people who fit a description. Let's say those are the people that are being profiled and killed according to him. Right. That's still fucking wrong. Exactly. Like Exactly. Yeah, he's technically saying that those are kind of the bad people. Yeah. I don't Now everything else he said I agree with. He's everything else he's he's saying is basically police officers have a hard job and they only They're have underpaid, and they have a few seconds to but, react to. But a that doesn't that and, doesn't necessarily. And I'm not saying that. I know you're not saying what that. What I like but to do to is him. what I what I like to do is pick people's conversations apart piece by piece. And if there's bullshit in that sentence, and if there's righteousness in that sentence, I'm gonna acknowledge both. That's fair. I'm not just gonna beam in on what I dislike and not acknowledge the fact that he says something I like. So the bullshit in his statement is you bring it on yourself because you look a certain way. Uh, You're right. The the it's called being black, and that's and that's bullshit. The righteousness in that statement is the police officers do have a hard job, and there are some good police officers who just deserve more for what they do. But at the end of the day, I can't take off my skin. Wouldn't want to if I could, but I can't take off my skin. And for you, it may be easy to. Put on a, a disguise and prevent yourself from being fucked with. But I can't do that. For example, I'm walking to college and I'm not wearing any baggy clothes or anything. Got a police officers pull me over and harass me. I'm not even driving this motherfucker. <laughs> but police officers pull me over and harass me. Look at my social. Try to make small talk. talk. They try to make small talk because they see my social begins with uh whatever the Detroit, because I ain't no social security numbers in certain areas. So I kind of yeah, start off the same. Yeah. Like everything down in Alabama starts with a four. Right, right. So he was like, oh, you must be from Michigan because your social security starts with a three, something, 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 something. He's trying to make small talk and shit. But bottom line, I looked as clean as that white guy just described. Mm-hmm. I still got pulled over. Why? Because I couldn't clean this nigga skin off my goddamn <laughs> face. I couldn't do that. So my point is this. You don't know who the fuck you're profiling. To them, I'm walking to, I don't know, the trap house to sell drugs. They ain't know I'm walking to get a fucking education. You feel what I'm saying? They yeah. looked at me and said, the nigga's up to no good. Let's stop him. No, the truth is, the nigga's up to trying to make his life better. And y'all interrupting that shit because you fucking racist. Black, so black people, minorities are easy marks for a quota system. Police officers kind of enforce a quota system. They tax the public. Um, they they were turning to that. They protect and they protect and serve. I respect that part of it. But then a lot of people are putting police officers in a situation where the system really puts police police officers in a situation where they need to get they need to give twenty eight tickets. They're called into their uh, lieutenant's office, and their lieutenant says, "Officer Flannery, you got to give twenty eight tickets this month." Right, right. And if you don't give those 28 tickets, you're in trouble. Like you're behind what you're supposed to what you're supposed to give. And um so they go out and they focus on a certain certain people within certain communities can't defend themselves. They can't pay for the court costs. So if you give them a bogus ticket, it's over. They can't do anything. But what are they going to do? Get a public defender or whatever who's pretty much on their team on the police's team anyway you might as well say or a lawyer for a 115 dollar ticket but that really hurts them 115 dollars hurts certain people so they know that if i give this person this ticket if i if i um 
write this this specific ticket for this guy. He's not going to be able to fight back. So I know who I can get my my numbers up with. So they go to specific parts of the community. So those a lot of those numbers people like to spout out. I know that guy didn't spout numbers, but on Facebook, people are big on that. They're big on 72 percent of you people, 47 percent like they're big on that. But a lot of these numbers are skewed because the police are only focusing on a certain right, demographic. Right. Yeah, there's one uh, statistic that I heard on Brilliant Idiots this week that says that six percent of the African-American population has has committed 50 percent of the murders in America. We some killing motherfuckers, boy. Six percent. It's only thirteen percent of us. So you mean to tell me half of us, or slightly less than half of us, <laughs> have fucked up fifty percent of the people in America? That number don't seem right. If it is, I mean, if it is, it is. Let's let's just mm. say let's say the number. Let's just play the devil's advocate here. Let's say the number is right. Let's say the number is accurate. Then that's something we got to deal with. That's something we got to address. I mean, you know, if those numbers are true. Then we have to act accordingly. With that being said, I just haven't personally seen that. Yeah, um, a lot of those numbers are kind of skewed because, like I said, if you focus on one group, you're not necessarily taking into account the type of environment that they grow up in. You're not mm-hmm. necessarily taking into account so many other things that should be that should be addressed before you say, "Well, forty percent of you guys are doing this." Well, people don't necessarily have access to certain things, so it, it, it's just. There are so many things to take into account before you just shout out some statistic. Um, and, and there are a lot of statistics that you could look at in the white community, Latin American community, African-American community, if you're looking for negativity. So <laughs> there are so many things I could say about, I don't know, white people over the past 100 years and their contribution in a negative way to society. But that would just make me a racist, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just make me a racist asshole to just highlight all of the horrible things, even though it's very easy to do that, right? Let's just ask the Native Americans how they feel. About <laughs> exactly. Let's see what they say. So, Because so, I'm pretty sure if they was to pick, if we was to stand in front of some Native Americans and say, listen, one of us has got to leave forever. <laughs> Black people or white people. And we're going to let you guys pick because it's your land in the first place. Who do you want gone from this country? Them motherfuckers are probably like, we're going to build all our boats for white people. You guys are fine. I, I feel like sometimes people talk almost as if we genetically, we, we're prone to violence genetically. When to me, it's all about your environment. It's all about what you're exposed to, what type of family you had. It's just that simple. As human beings, if you put people in a situation where they don't have jobs, they don't have opportunities, they're going to react a certain way. But to just look at a, a certain part of the, the world, a certain part of the, the community and just say, well, m- you know, my child isn't doing this. My I don't know anyone who does this. I don't know people who rot. Well, they don't have the need to. They don't have the need to do anything like this. But if I take those people, put them in that situation, they will. And it's, it's just that simple. So when you break it down that way, you know, however you want to look at that statistic, it just it just depends on what what you have in your heart. <laughs> This episode of the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show is brought to you by BadMagics.com. BadMagics.com, more than just an online journal or a clothing line, BadMagics.com is a lifestyle brand dedicated to keeping you fresh from art to the music to the gear. BadMagics.com, shout out to the magic man. BadMagics.com, defenders of the true school. What it is and what it do This is the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show 
Uh, and on the line right now, we got Freddie Freeze from BadMagics.com, man. Uh, so uh, this debate that happened uh, last Monday, man, um, talk about that for a minute, man. It was a uh, debacle of a situation. Uh, to be real, it wasn't. It was just what to be expected. Um, you have one candidate that is actual, an actual politician that's, that's been a politician and knows how to be a politician, and you have another guy that's a reality show guy, and the media has been letting him get away with murder, and it pretty much just caught up with him, and that's it. That's what, well, that's what's up. Um, now, a lot of the pundits that were uh, discussing the debate said that Donald Trump started off very strong. And then from there, I think they might've gave him like the first, like what, 20 minutes. And then from there, it was just kind of a, a, a wreck. So what do you guys say about that? Only right wing, only, only right wing pundit said that basically that's not, that's not even real. It's like, because they had the bar so low for Donald Trump, all he had to do was not throw up on himself. <laughs> and they were going to say, if he would have not thrown up on himself for that entire debate, they would have said he won in some kind of weird way. So basically, the bar is set so low for Donald Trump in any kind of social interaction. All he has to do is show up and not say something stupid, and people give him credit. Because that's the mindset we are in the country right now. Well, you know you that know? Um, so, that the right did declare him the winner like right after the debate was over, and he even put up a tweet saying that he won the debate. What? Well, even Fox News actually said that he wasn't. <laughs> it's like the, now the far crazy right said he was, but the actual people, the people that's like, hey man, we may need a job after all this is over. They were like, yeah, we crazy, but we you know, crazy. Well, um, we got to well, we got to we got to toe the line, you know. Hey man, talk about so. the moment when he talked about uh, law and order and the whole stop and frisk situation. And um, I also want you to tie that in. I don't know if you caught it, the whole DJ Envy situation when he said that he was for stop and frisk, but that was because, like, somebody had pulled up on his Rolls Royce and it shot four holes in his car. I don't know if they were trying to rob him or kill him or what. I don't know what he into in the streets, but the whole story kind of, yeah, it's kind of a fishy situation. So, like, tie them two together and, and, uh, and go from there, man. Basically, the whole thing with stop and frisk is a throwback to – well, it goes way back. goes back to Richard Nixon and the law and order nonsense that he tried to pull back in the day. The only problem is it's a dis dis disassociated, disassociated right now. Now, as you look at what happened in New York with Stop and Frisk, Stop and Frisk did not help anything. And it was proven. It's a study. You can go look the information up. It really, crime didn't go down because of Stop and Frisk. Stop and Frisk pretty much just stops random people on the street. And you, if you're just not, if you're slipping on any kind of, in any kind of way, uh, and people are just randomly stopping you on the street, uh, you could just slip in any kind of way, and they get you tied up in the system because you have an ounce of weed on you or something. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. Or less. Uh, so that's basically what that is. That's like violating people's rights. It's like you have no probable cause, but I'm just walking down the street. And because I'm walking down the street and I'm black, you're going to stop me to see if I have a gun on me or something. Yeah, because it was statistically it, proven that stop and frisk only only stopped black and Latino people. It ne they never stopped exactly. any white people. It was only black and Latino people in New York that ever had to deal with stop and frisk. So, I mean. And, and, that, and, and, it, wasn't, and it didn't bring down the crime rate. 
no, did not, not bring all. down the crime. And I would say it actually at all, made for the crime more, continued to do. I would actually say it made for more of a hostile uh, situation because you got people that feel like the police just fucking with them for no reason. Exactly, and that, and it and it created that police state like environment that puts one group on edge, and then like and you see that they slowly gentrified New York and turned it into like the theme park that it is now instead of the actual like melting pot city that it was at one time, even when it was falling apart. Right. And then stuff where when you got ignorant stuff, like to just jump from that, like with people like DJ Envy and stuff, I'm like, dude, you associate yourself with dubious people. You've always associated yourself with dubious people. You, you keep yourself in a dubious environment. This, you know, stop and frisk wasn't going to save you. If you do, if you associate yourself with dubious people, if all of your music is about dubious activity, I'm just going to say somewhere along the line, maybe your karma just captures up with you. It ain't got nothing to do with, like, oh my God, stop and frisk the save you. Not being stupid would save you from getting shot at. You know, like, stop associating yourself with dubious people. So that you think that that whole situation a was a dubious situation? You, I mean, you know his dad was a cop. You know man, how it is with these rappers. You know how these rappers, man, these rappers. You, are, you sound like a grandpa right now. Their, you know how well, it no, is really, with these you, rappers. These young motherfuckers. No, but it's real, though. It's real, though. Rap snitches telling all their business, taking them to court, man, their own star witness. They are. That's what they are. That's what they are. They, they point themselves out in the line, though. They, how many of these guys are going to jail and, and or getting caught up behind something stupid, or you finally get your break and you can't let the streets go long enough to get your money. Bobby Schmitter. That's what's wrong with these dudes. That's what I'm saying. Dudes cannot let the kick. For this instance, you got like Meek Mills and them like what? Did somebody just knock out um uh, uh Beanie Beanie Siegel, Siegel or something? Man. Beanie Siegel, man. Or some foolishness the other day. Now, you know crime, this yeah. gonna end up in a this man just got out of jail. I'm like, dude, you don't even care about this dude enough to keep him out of trouble enough so he don't get something to his show on counting. I'm like, this is so stupid. I'm like, dude, you guys are jawing over words. You're jawing over dumb stuff. Like, you're messing up people's money, which is some clown-ass shit. Somebody needs to come down. That's, that's a whole nother level. Somebody needs to come down on these clown-ass jokers about, like, snitching in general. They're out here talking about people got ghostwriters. Well, guess what? You're messing up those ghostwriters' money, you clowns. Shut up. You don't know. Shut up. That's the thing. You're talking about you from the street, but you dry snitching. That's some clown-ass shit, man. Well, what I'm That's gonna dry snitching, man. <laughs> what I'm going to do anyway. right now is I'm going to pull uh, 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 Jonathan Crane and Joey Burnham into the conversation, and I want to ask them about the whole Beanie Siegel situation since we are on the topic. Um, do you, are you guys familiar with the whole game, Meek Mill, Beanie Siegel? Uh, thing that went down this week. There's a lot that went on this week. Yeah, I'm familiar with the game's uh, diss song, which was to me on on a legendary level. Uh, I, I felt yeah, like that was purple. A good, that was a great. That was a good. <laughs> hell, that was a great diss song. Right, right, right. That they had the. I mean, I I can't remember the last time I saw a diss song with a video because usually people just did the song and then they just said, okay, that's that's enough. Right, right. But right. this dude went to Brooklyn and shot a shot a video and. Man, it's just it's hurtful. It's a hurtful situation for Meek Mill. Hey, can and I, I didn't I didn't hate Meek Mill's this? song, but it's not it's can not the game song. Go for it, man. Go for it. I hate to interrupt, but this man involved mamas. He said he was going to shave Sean Kingston's mama's mustache. <laughs> now and, and fuck his si- and rape his sister. 
while he watches. Why she? Why he watches? So, why he watches? Now, you know, I know Sean Kingston, I, and I got to go and put this out here too, and then I'm gonna let Joy Burnham have it. Also, Sean Kingston violated some stuff. Of course, he's just a pop dude. But if you say you are just a pop dude, you need to state that, hey man, you out of bounds. Uh, I'm a civilian. I'm a pop dude. I ain't got time for all this stuff. I got security. My security handled this. If y'all ever try to run up on me again, I don't want nothing to do with any of y'all. I'm finished. Now, that nigga had to go shot at from that. He's a yeah, pop star yeah, playing in the streets. Fuck, fuck, fuck. That nigga went shot exactly. on their ass. Like, and he's been silent the whole time it's been the whole time it's elevated. Yeah. You ain't heard shit. And, yeah. and if you really think about it, this situation may have happened because of him. Right. Because right. he was in the club. That whole situation where he, he got robbed. And then, you know, uh, uh, the game and Meek Mill had that conversation about rappers being robbed. The game claims that he that he actually warned him that he warned Meek Mill that this could happen because recently they've been robbing rappers of their chain, even though that that's all that always happens. That shit been happening since Run DMC. So someone's a mark. They're a mark. You know, that's right. That's right, what, right. Even yeah. they're easy. You look like Kate. You up in the club. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. See, I'm and, not really familiar with this whole situation. The only thing I know. Is the game put out a really good diss song? Man, he ate. He. he I mean, well, okay. Let me tell you my opinion re- about that. I didn't want to talk about this, but let me just let me just say it like this. At this point, uh, game is just like poking at a dead body with a stick to me yeah, because Drake Drake, Drake already you know did the dirty work. Drake already did the heavy lifting. And but so, Gaines said that. He said, oh yeah, he yeah, did mention that. Said, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just dig, I'm digging you up because <laughs> Drake so already can buried re-bury this man. Yeah, because he already yeah, so he he can already re-bury the man. Buried the dude, but dude, for his crew, did you? I, I don't know if you listened to the uh, Tack Stone uh, podcast, but Beanie Siegel came on there after everything had went down, and the dude that knocked him out, Beanie Siegel has a relationship with him and his family, and. The dude is a as a want want to be a dream uh what is dream chaser so bad and want to be a part of the industry so bad that he did this in the name of the dream chasers and violated Beanie Siegel over something that Wack One Hundred got online and said never even happened during the interview. Wack One Hundred I mean uh Wack One Hundred posted a uh Instagram video and said y'all basically y'all niggas is wrong for knocking out a legend. Y'all owe that nigga an apology and something got to happen to that nigga for knocking out Beanie Siegel because he didn't tell us shit. And and and, and just look what you just said now. They set into motion a bunch of stuff where folks can't eat. Like, oh boy, that was with the game. Games, games dude, that be on his side, actually put it perfectly. Everybody needs to be able to eat and right, thing. Right. If something's got to happen, it's got to happen. But we don't need to be out here telegraphing what's going to happen or why it's got to happen. If we got to close the door and talk about it and square dance or whatever we got to do, we need to close that door and square dance. You know what I mean? But these dudes, they're violating codes, but at the same time talking about they about the codes. I'm like, all of this snitching and all this talking about what people do is why people can't do nothing nowadays. You can't do nothing. And do clowns. Because of that, because of that interview, I went back and I listened to all of Benny Siegel's music. I forgot how incredible Beanie Siegel was. Yeah. 
and yeah, how, the, the and, reason, the truth, those were. I mean, yeah, yeah, I forgot, and the becoming, and all those, those, those four albums are incredible pieces of work. And when I went back and I listened to them, I was like, damn, he was probably the only artist on Rockefeller that was on par with Jay Z. Yeah, but he yeah. was so damn tied to the streets that he shackled himself. In the wrong direction, he could have been just as he could still be going now. Yeah, jail, jail kind of just took a lot out of him. It yeah. just took a lot. It takes a lot of out of a lot of artists. Right, right. So he lost so much time, but because he, he was just too damn tied to the streets. Like Dame Dash set this dude up with state property and said, "Here, become a boss." And he was too Philly. Philly. But see, that was a mistake <laughs> too. Philly. He didn't need that. What 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 Ben Siegel needed was what we always say. He needed artist development. Right. He was raw talent. He was raw talent. He had the talent, but he needed a producer. And when I say producer, that doesn't mean some clown throwing you beats. He actually needed somebody to sit down and say, okay, Beans, we got an album of 79 I Shoot You In The Face songs. <laughs> we got the You Came Up From The Hood song. We need to kind of call this out, not necessarily do pop or none of that other foolishness, what you really need to do is we need to make this a narrative. This needs to go throughout and be a story. Like your album needs to be something so that it's an album. Right. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So that we that I can put, because that's what type of artist you are. You're a writer. So you can actually write an album. And we need to make it sound a certain way throughout. And there needs to be skits or there not needs to be skits or something. And have somebody care about you enough that they put that together instead of saying, now you're the boss of state property. I'm like, dude, can't even boss itself yet. What the hell are you throwing him these keys for? And get then, him straight. Let's not forget get that Jay-Z, money right. Jay-Z is going to you know, take his yeah, beat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it's hot. So it doesn't oh, matter. Yeah, if it's too hot, Jay's going to take his beat any yeah. damn way. So it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really Jay's going to show up and be like, yeah, you know, I'm, I just got through stabbing un. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Rock. <laughs> that was my Jay-Z impression. I don't know how good that was. But Freddie so, Freeze, we man, uh, we gonna go ahead and let you go, man. We just, I mean, we started off talking about Trump, and we ended up on Beanie Siegel. That is some grown ass man hip hop shit. Welcome to our ADHD ass uh, conversation. Um, I, I don't, I don't even know, I don't even know how it ended up here. Uh, and and I know you guys gonna probably talk. All about I know is you got angry. Right? All I know is you got angry, and your voice got high, and it was on and popping from there. So I just let it run. <laughs> So okay, is, is there right. anything else you got to say about remember. Trump? Let me ask you one more question about Trump. Um, at this point, they're saying that it is a 50-50, like it's a 50-50 chance he could become president of the United States. That shit's fucking scary, but it's also real because there's only two people that's running. So everybody at this point has a 50-50 chance of becoming the president of the United States. But how likely do you think with all these, uh, all these uh, crazy-ass Republicans and rednecks and uh, ill-informed people. Uh, how how likely do you? What do you see this? Uh, the outcome of this election going in November? Uh, no, that's not even really the case. The problem is the media needs to create a horse race, and this is something that we all said. The media needs to create a horse race. They did this with Obama. They did Obama and Romney. Oh my God, everybody hates Obama now. Let's go ahead and put in Romney. Blah blah blah. Well, the media doesn't want to see a landslide. They're not telling you stuff like for. Uh, Trump to win, he has to turn one of the big blue states, and he needs to he needs to do a better job with people that he's not doing a good job with in the polls. And they never even talk about the fact that he 
has never gotten really over the over a certain mark with actual Republican voters. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So it's like so there's a problem here that they're not digging into with these numbers because you got to remember polls are like just random statistics statistical snapshots, and I can skew them based upon who I get in touch with and how I ask questions. So if they want a certain outcome, you can direct and bait a poll. If you want the polls to look like they're tightening, you can go to a certain group of them, a certain demographic and say whatever. And then you got to deal with the fact that landlines are how they connect with people now. But still, you know, they haven't, they haven't been able to get millennials and all these other people on the phone. And they're overselling stuff. They're overselling the effect of a third party. And I'm sure there's a lot of ignorance going on with these third parties because people are just ignorant of the entire process. And that ain't really worth time really discussing on any level unless you just know how ignorant people are. But, you know, it's not going to go that way. I mean, I you know, basically at the end of the day, yes, people who do care and people that are involved with the process, people that are not fake, pseudo-revolutionary type folks, need to go out and vote. Uh, those who don't care and don't listen to Killer Mike who tell you that black folks ain't ready to vote against shit because they ain't got their stuff together and they don't know what the hell they're doing anyway, uh, you know, they, they just gonna go do whatever they do anyway. They go over the corner and mope and bitch for the next four years. But everybody else that actually gets involved and try to stop things, they need to just go out and vote and do what they're supposed to do. The states that are generally going to be blue are going to stay blue. The states that are red are pretty much going to be red. And I don't even see this as one of those elections where states are really going to flip that hard. Because, like I said, everybody's so galvanized. Um, I don't know what some of these other folks are going to do because they keep talking about all these millennials and this Gary Johnson thing. And I'm like, that's neither here nor there. You see what I'm saying? Anybody vote like, third party people, at this point, I think it's kind of a mute point. I mean, especially right now, think but, voting. You know, you got those. You be voting you know, third parties just, just despite the whole process at this point. I mean, that's it. That's what that, that's yeah. what a lot of people have chosen to do. They've they've chosen. Yeah, that, they that, say, that, well, I, I don't like Hillary and I don't like you know Donald Trump. So you know, here we go. I'm just gonna vote for Jill Stein or vote you know some or vote Green Party or Libertarian or whatever you want to do. So yeah, it's, that, that's and, and that's. Do you know how much Jill Stein has has raised in her um in her campaign over like two years, like from twenty fifteen to twenty sixteen? How much money has she raised? Oh, just a, just above nine hundred thousand dollars. Nine hundred thousand dollars. That's it. Okay. She's 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 going up against people who are playing with hundreds of millions. Four hundred four hundred and fifty million, I think. Right. So it's uh, like Hillary Clinton, and and that's man, normal. That's by the way, that's that's normal. That that's regular. That that's the amount of money that you need when people say, "Oh, all this money they're spending on this political campaign." It's a political campaign. It's a political campaign. <laughs> all but of them, Jill they're Stein, all spending that amount. Of Jill money. Stein doesn't even have the capital to compete. That and, and and here's the other thing that um is going against Jill Stein. Right now, people who are listening to this podcast are going, "Who's Jill Stein?" I don't. They know, know more about Gary Johnson. I don't know who people, Gary Johnson is. I don't know who Mrs. Stein is. I just don't get into politics like these that. people are. Um, they're like members of of like a, a a third party. People dislike Trump so much. They dislike Hillary Clinton because of what the media sold people. Um, so they're like, okay, well, I'll just vote for something else. I'm still voting, 
but I'll just vote for something. But I'm gonna vote for something that makes me feel better. Yes. So Ralph, Ralph Nader, you remember Ralph yeah. Nader was that guy. Ralph Nader was the guy that fucked up uh, the election, taking away votes that people needed. Right. And, and that's what's gonna and happen. Did you say here. that he admitted that? Fred ain't Freeze? my boy? Uh, ain't my boy David Duke going for president? <laughs> I think oh, yeah, you know, you know David, that, he's, on, he's, yeah, he's running in Louisiana. And he's, he's on, on the ballot. ballot. In Louisiana, not as, as president, but as a rep. He's running <laughs> wow. in Louisiana right I'm, now as a rep. Yeah, I'm going to vote for David Duke. <laughs> yeah, David, David I Duke. I think he really has hey, purity. Hey, hey, you got to go all the way, baby. You got to go all the way. <laughs> well, fuck it, man. If Donald Trump you know, can run for president, then Joey Burnham can can uh, vote for David Duke. <laughs> vote for David. His last name is yeah, Duke. That's so, important. Hey. But let me, let me say this much. Um. Going into it, I really don't keep up with politics because I don't trust my government. And I honestly think that anyone you vote for will fuck the country up or keep it fucked up. I, I just I just don't have any faith in this government. And I just don't think that any good will come of any of this shit. I know that's a very uh, glass half empty attitude, but that's exactly how I feel. That's uh, nihilistic. Uh, I'm very nihilistic. Thank you, Frederick, for telling me so. <laughs> uh, I'm very nihilistic, as you just said. But I will well, now, now. I will say that I will say this: Black people have a real reason, of course, to distrust the government. But here's the other issue: What black people don't put to that equation, they don't realize that after Reconstruction, black people actually started seizing power from the government, and the white people that created the Jim Crow laws came in and made the Jim Crow law so that we wouldn't and continually disenfranchised us with stuff like that led to the prison industrial complex. Cause when you look at the, uh, uh, amendment about slavery, it is there, you know, slavery is abolished except for when you commit a crime. Right. Right. Then they can take all your rights away. Now the question you have to ask yourself, what is the first right they take away from you? When you commit a, a felony, what is the first right that goes that they never give back? And your in right most cases, right they don't vote. give back. Now, right hold on, let's, this is even yeah. Now, now let's let's go even deeper than that. In Virginia, will. A, a Democratic senator tried to give back felons' right to vote. <laughs> they are fighting him tooth and nail for that. These guys have served their time. They're just living among. They're living their lives. They want to keep these people disenfranchised for the rest of their life. You're no longer part of America. I've taken everything from you. I'm going to keep this ch this check system. And I'm talking about people who have murdered anybody or anything. They may have been, you know, doing some jack, like maybe just, you know, caught up in the illegal drug war that shouldn't exist or whatever. But I'm just saying, the bottom line is. He's a felon. He doesn't deserve to have the right to vote. Exactly. The first thing they take from you is your right to vote because they know if. Number one, they can make you feel like there is no hope, or if they can disenfranchise you, then you fall away from even trying to be a part of the process, and then they can make all the rules without any kind of, without having to cheat you any harder than they have to. And, and That's why when you look around Alabama, when you look at Alabama and bullshit states like Alabama, you will see that only, actually in America, only 9% of the people vote at all. Nine to ten percent of Americans vote wow. Wow. Well, out of the straight. entire population. Now, people can say it's going to be messed up. Hey, look, only nine to ten percent of the people even do anything in the process. 
at know, all. I, I and, hate to be uh, I hate to be real stereotypical, but I guess I'm a part of that nine percent because I do actually vote. Uh, I vote because I feel like black people died, and I don't want them to die in vain. So because of my ancestors, because of what work was done in the past, I make sure that I vote. That's just how I get down. But I can honestly say I don't cast my vote with confidence because I feel like no matter what, college is going to be too expensive. People are still going to be struggling. Poverty is still going to be the same. I just don't see brighter days ahead no matter who is in office. So and and politics it's so tricky and it's full of so many lies or politics as uh our mother says so i just don't trust politics it's full of shit to me. well Man, i'm gonna say this to you hold on Fred. hold on Fred. let me say this to you um yeah you're right a lot of that stuff you, you know i think a lot of people feel that way but uh a lot of your feelings will be even more validated if Donald Trump gets into the office because <laughs> Republicans will have complete control. That's what they that's really what Donald Trump is all about. Donald Trump is about Republicans gaining control. They don't like Donald Trump. They don't like they, Hillary they, Clinton. They hate they hate Donald They Donald hate Donald Trump. Trump. But it's but it's almost like it's a situation it's really uh, what is it? Uh, six one way, half a dozen the other. Where it's like, okay, at least if we have Donald Trump in here, we can we can uh, uh, sway our influence some kind of way. As as opposed to having Hillary Clinton, where it's like we ain't gonna get shit done because if Hillary Clinton gets in office, there's actually talk of a uh, democratic uh, revolution or renaissance. Progress is going to happen. Progress is being made. I do know that it's hard sometimes to to see that. Um, because there's so much suffering and there there's so many negative things that take place across the world. It's kind of sometimes just as the regular person, it's hard to see it. It's hard to even when you're casting your vote, it's it's really hard to see how will this really matter? Does it really count on a lot of levels? So I do understand that. I do understand that side of it, but it's just a process, the political process. It takes it takes an ex, an ex, extensive amount of uh, patience, especially coming from where we come from. If you're yeah. a Democrat, and you come from where we come from. You almost feel like your vote don't matter in the first damn place. Yes, because they win. They're gonna win. They're gonna win this state regardless. And like like Fred said, that is he understands. Like we understand that, why that, you, why you and feel and that, and that, that way because historically, yeah, yeah, it's like the government has given you a lot of reason to feel that way. But you can use the government um, to to better things. You know, we we technically, I think Fred says it best when he talks about. Um, you know, we're technically the government on a lot of levels. We send our representatives. Now we have to hold them accountable uh, on Capitol Hill. We have to say, OK, we're sending you here to represent us, to be our voice. And a lot of people don't vote, vote in these yeah, midterm I was about elections. To say, the issue is that a lot of people are not sending the right representatives because if only nine percent of the population of America vote and think about how many people vote locally, it's got to be. Less than that, it's got to be like two. Oh man, it's horrible. No one, votes, no one votes in a midterm election, man, but then they you. try to hold Barack Obama accountable for these right, things right. when he doesn't have the support. Exactly. So and, and nobody gave him any cover. Nobody gave him any because people don't look at the fact that you threw Barack Obama out here, then you threw up a, then you didn't do anything in that midterm. You let the Republicans take over, which take, which pretty much ties his hands up. Now he's got to fight tooth and nail to 
get anything done, then you're going to blame him for everything he can't miraculously do because you took away all of his help. And that's ridiculous. So that's what people don't, they don't pay attention to what's going on on that level. And then, like, another point I always try to make is when Martin Luther King said, like, and I hate to go to Martin Luther King, but when he actually said, Oh, well, uh, whoa. I may not get that wait a you. minute. You will not sit here and disrespect Martin Luther the King without an explanation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Please oh, tell yeah, me why like, you I'm said that. Is, Please tell me why oh, you hate oh, to go because, to Martin Luther King. <laughs> oh, because, like, a lot of people do that. And they they overuse him. It's like he's an overused commodity now, and they've almost made him, like, made him some kind of weird poster Dr. child King, for stuff. So, uh, you guys, yeah, exactly. you guys should be yeah, about got, the days exactly of Dr. King got, like, when he, he took a boulder yeah. to the face. We threw a boulder at his face, and he accepted it. Accepted and he, he just suffering. happily took it. Yeah, just foolishness like we that. We kicked Dr. So King that, in the balls <laughs> one time, and he said, yeah, hey, man, they, thank you, and you niggas should be more like that. <laughs> They, I need more of that. I, why can't you we, be like that? We made, so, we made that, that joke about how people they want, they want to see you suffer. They really want to see you yeah. suffer. They always talk about Dr. Martin Luther King, who is uh, a man who did wonderful things for African Americans in this country. And, I, and I'm not making fun of that. But not a lot of people were willing to take that sort of punishment. He no. took punishment beyond what you should take. And that day is over. No, Thank we God. are living and, in and the also, Malcolm X generation right now. Well, actually, they also try to they they they, they sanitize the man. Yeah, they sanitize yeah, him. They yeah. don't look at his more revolutionary. They don't look at the revolutionary Martin Luther King. They try to sanitize him and make him look like a some kind of. I you don't let want any kind of violence. Like guy. he let us spit in your face. Yeah. Well, anyway, so, back so to your point. Is, when, when he actually said, "I may not get there with you," when he was talking about the top of the mountain, he was not afraid of being assassinated. And this is famously been said by his family members. This is uh, uh, famously been said by the speechwriter who wrote a lot of that. What they were actually saying was, the arc of, another statement he made, the arc of history bends toward justice. It takes a long time to get there a lot of times because you've got to fight a long struggle. It's a long struggle. And, and the, the one thing that they were saying about the arc of history is basically it's a continued struggle. So basically, when he said, I may not get there with you, he means that I may fight for this my entire life, and I may not get there until, you know, all of us are gone. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, like, you guys may get there, future generations may get there, but I may not get there with you. You see what I mean? So that's that's something that people have to keep in mind when you're doing things like you're you're dealing with you're dealing with a vote, you're dealing with um, any of this. This is not a this is not a, a one time fix. You just kinda do your part and you do your part and you just keep on moving. And anybody so that, that does not vote, I'm going to personally be handing out pieces of duct tape and I want you to use it for the next four years. If Donald Trump was to get in the office, because you you don't have shit to complain about, you didn't help hey, the process. Hey, like I said before, yeah. like I said before, I'm a vote because I know it's the right thing to do, and I will probably vote Democratic. I'm not one of those guys who keeps votes secret. I don't know why you should. I don't get that. I'm not gonna. Ain't no damn body keeping their vote secret nowadays. Now when you uh, dude, I was going through them all with my wife today, and this motherfucker didn't have just a simple Trump 
uh, bumper sticker. This motherfucker had Trump written across the back of his uh, rear view, uh, his, his, his mirror, his back mirror, in big-ass four-foot letters, Trump. So ain't no, bad, ain't no damn body keeping that shit a secret right now. I, it's, it's just not something. I, I don't know. I just never believed yeah. in. I never believed in letting people know what you think. That's just not. It's kind of like the Godfather when when Michael told um, when Michael told in Godfather three said, "Hey, never let people know what you're thinking." So it's just something that I've never I've never really. Grew. I'll talk about it like among friends, among right, people right. that I know, but just in public with the bumper stickers and stuff like that, it's just not. It's not my thing. I heard I mean, that. Like, like Fred said, yeah, because it's not. I'm a nihilist, so me personally, it just don't fucking matter to me. You know, like, some of our grown ups that listen to this show, um, they're stupid. So, what does nihilist mean? <laughs> oh, uh, a nihilist is uh, it's a it's a uh, form of uh, philosophical thought that was brought forth by uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, which pretty much uh, means that everything in life is pretty much leads to meaningless. Meaningless. It's meaningless. It's all meaningless. Uh, Timothy kind of delves into that in the Bible in a lot of ways, but he he kind of like brings it around. The, the writer the Timothy kind of brings it around and says it's all meaningless. What are we for really here for? God. What does it all really exactly. mean? None, so it's, of it, it's, none of it really means anything if you think about it. So, well, really, and it, and it breaks down. It breaks down to that meaning. Like I famously said, like well, not famously, but, but amongst my friends, they always laugh because I said I'm a mixture of Nietzsche and Ice Cube in a rhyme one time. Um, and that's you know that's kind of like a thing, you know, Friedrich Nietzsche. And I was like, hey, my name's Frederick anyway. So, um, you know, and he's also made a whole bunch of other statements like God is dead and all this other stuff, and, the tr- and we killed him. Um, you know, so that's Nietzsche. He's he's, he's a rosy guy. As you can see. Well, um, Fred, <laughs> but, uh, Freeze, on that note, um, you've gotten way too intelligent for this podcast. <laughs> um, we're going to let you get I back to your uh, football. I know you were watching football. Maybe the game's rolled. It's 10 o'clock now. Uh, I'm yeah, going to. Uh, oh, yeah, man. Did, 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 did Louisville come back? No, no, Louisville's getting destroyed. Are you fucking serious? Damn. Okay. Yes, they're getting. Uh, yeah, they're yeah, getting but go out and vote. Boarded. Go out and vote, man. Uh, <laughs> you really got to go out and vote and stuff. Hurt, let's, let's hurry this up. Yeah, everyone so, in yeah. here is going to vote, and uh, you should do the same. Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah. Freddie Freeze of BadMagics.com. Go check him out, BadMagics.com. Uh, right. He's been on the show a lot. Uh, check him out. Yeah. Um, on that note, man, can we I, Can I get a shirt, man? Fred, can, is there any way that I can get a shirt? I, I, you, you can't get a shirt, and I got a shout-out to all the rappers. I need them to stop snitching. Oh, damn. Uh, I need, I at, need them, at least I need he said you can't on. get a shirt. I I think he meant to say you can, but the truth came out in that moment, and you can't get a shirt. Oh no, no, we always make yeah. that joke, man. He, you can't get. He's a shirt. not going to get no. The, shirt. The, no, he, he talked he, to the suppliers. He, he told me that when I went to it's, the store, that they wouldn't give me the it's shirt. It's the public side. <laughs> yes. Wow. I, I told the store <laughs> not to give him a shirt. They got a they got a picture they got a picture of him behind the counter, yeah, and they just show it to him and says it says here now, and I'm offering money by the way. Yeah. That's what you. That's what you're messing up at. We just threat. We just yeah. threaten to whoop Fred's ass a lot. And that's where yeah. we we make pro- better progress with that than offering money. Money yeah. means nothing to Fred. We just be like, listen, we're gonna get what we want, and we're just gonna punch you in the damn face several times. And then he's like, all right, man, yeah. you know, what? I'll just go ahead and get you what you want, man. And it's you know, but you you know, you gotta try a different approach. 
But anyway, man, yeah, look, man, we're going to break up out of here, man. Enjoy watching right, the rest man. of the games, man. This is the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show. I All am right. Lawrence G. That is Joey Burnham. That's Jonathan Crane. And you just got finished listening to Freddie Freeze. Um, and on that note, we're going to break up out of here. Uh, I'm Lawrence G. I am Joseph Burnham. <laughs> you are Jonathan Crane, the master of fear. Yeah. This has been the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show. And like we always say about this time, grown-ups, don't go out there and do no dumb shit like argue with the police. Yeah. Because grown-ass men do grown-man shit. And we out. Peace. Peace. The Grown-Ass Man Hip Hop Show is brought to you by Fourth Coast Media, produced by Lawrence Trammell, and recorded at Fourth Coast Studios. This is a Fourth Coast Media production. Fourth Coast?